Welcome to this week's year on Purim and Parshas Tzav, I guess in that order. Uh, again, apologies to the usual Tzibur at Kilos Chavim that we weren't able to get together in person this week, combination of uh, weather and Purim. So I'm recording a briefer year than usual that will hopefully both touch on Purim and Parshas Tzav and give us a good story as well. The Shem Shmuel starts with a Gemara that brings a very puzzling metaphor. Speaks about Esther. It's the song of Ayelta Shachar, the crack of dawn, the morning star, the beginning of light in the darkness. Why is Esther compared to that? So Chazal say, Ma Shachar Sof just as the morning is the end of the night, Af Esther Sof Kolhanisim. So on one hand, Esther was the end of the the miracles that are in Tanakh, the Nevoah, the Sfarim that are included in Tanakh that we have. But why then would that be called the end of the night and the beginning of the dawn, the beginning of the morning? So he explains, Hashachar maschilair ba'od layla. That phenomenon of dawn means it's still nighttime, it's still dark out. But there's a glimmer. The light starts to come. Where's the light coming from? It's coming from the sun that will rise in the next day, in the morning. Said so too, the nace of Purim was really an expression of what would be happening in the future. When we look at the follow-through after the story of the Megillah, it was really leading to the rebuilding of the Beis Amigdash, of Bayashani. And that was the light that was shining there. So too, says the Svasemis, that is meant to be a model for us, that we're also in a period of light that shines from the future. It's the future of the Geula Asida, even though we're in this Golas, we're able to pick up the shine, the glow, from what will be even now. Because that is behind everything that's happening to us here. We're not going to an unknown future, we're heading to a known future. How we get there, we're not going to know. This is what we learned from the Megillah. And that things are happening all the time, miraculous things are happening in order to help us get there. The Svasemis, a piece in the Svasemis that really opened my eyes to Purim. He speaks in two places about the fact that on Purim that we celebrate, most people celebrate it on the 14th. Some, like Yerushalayim, celebrated on the 15th. If you look at the chronology in the Megillah, so the miracle of the idea that the Jews miraculously were able to defeat those who wanted to kill them, all of that happened on the 13th of Adar, that we call Tainus Esther. What did the Psukim call these days of the 14th or the 15th? Yomim Asher Nochu Bohem, the days that they rested. Everyone fought on the 13th. Esther asked for the Jews in Shushan to be able to fight on the 14th as well. The Jews outside of Shushan rested on the 14th. The Jews in Shushan rested on the 15th. Purim was instituted to be on those days of resting. Why? And we even say, Al-Hanisim points out the Svasemis on those days, even though the Nes didn't happen on that day. 
So what's going on is the following. The story of Purim and the celebration of Purim is not about killing enemies. Okay? There were many wars, victories, losses, etc. The Svasemis says we have to realize that when Amalek was in power, when Haman was in power, it was as if there was a dark cloud over us. Shem Shmuel in another piece describes the black cloud of Amalek almost like being a, a black hole that sucks up any light that's possibly there. And then, when Amalek is gone, with that defeat that happened on the 13th, we are celebrating a new way of experiencing life. The ability to live as Jews with the understanding that the light of our future comes into our presence. And no matter what, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is being involved with that plan, whether we see it or not, and helping us get there. This is the power of the days afterwards. The lesson of Purim teaches us to be able to see that light and to experience that light in all cases. That's the joy of Purim, and therefore it has a very big difference in terms of how we celebrate. If we try to mimic nations around the world that have victory celebrations when they defeat their enemies, so those are simply celebrations of, I'm alive, let's drink, let's have fun, let's celebrate the fact that we're alive. Here, it's how we're alive. It's a new way of being able to live. And that means Purim's the day in which we most revel in our Judaism, in our connection to Hashem, in our connection to other Jews. And we understand from the lesson of Purim that that's something that's unshakable. The Chassam Sofer points out that the most powerful miracle in the Megillah is at the very beginning, at the Surah of Achashverosh. When Achashverosh invites Vashti to come, and she doesn't want to come, and eventually he kills her. He said, why is that so important? He said, because at the time, the Jews were guilty. Later on in the Megillah, those Jews did tshuva, and they cried out to Hashem, and they fasted, and they davened, and Hashem answered them. But here, even while they were at that Suda, enjoying it, when Mordechai told them not to, and the Gemara points out that that is one of the things that made them liable to be destroyed, Hashem was still working the miraculous processes that would bring about the salvation of Amiso. Purim were able to look back and understand that. We're able to look at our present and understand that that's happening. And we're able to look forward as well to know that will be happening. And that's where we will be getting. This ties into Pasha's Tzav in the following way. Shem Shmuel's father, Avnei Nezer, brings from his father, the, his father-in-law, the Kotzka Rebbe, the following. The Korban Toda that we find in the Parsha, the Thanksgiving Korban that we connect to by saying Mizmer Latoda every day in Psuke de Zimra. In fact, according to the Ashkenazi Minik, if it was a day when it wasn't possible to bring the Korban in the Beis Amigdash, we don't say Mizmer Latoda in Davani. He says that was a Korban you were able to bring as a free will offering, meaning there are certain times a person's obligated to bring a Korban Toda. Four people have to bring a Korban Toda. Someone who's in prison and released, someone who went across the desert and survived, someone who went across the ocean and survived, and someone who was sick and was healed. They bring the Korban Toda. But another person can bring one any day that he wants. Why? The Kutzke Rebbe says, in the future, there's going to be a Sefer Zikaran, there's going to be a new Megillah written, 
from all the nisim that happened to us. It's going to become clear to us. At every moment, miracles were happening. Therefore, he says, if you bring a korban todo with nadova, even though you don't know particularly what miracle you're bringing it for, but you feel thankful, he says, you have what to be thankful for. It's happening all the time, to us individually and to us as a nation. Sometimes we get to see it. Looking back at what has happened to us, even over the past century, we're able to see so much. And each individual can find and see these things. The story I wanted to share is one that I heard from a Talmud Chochum here in Yerushalayim, Rav Nosen Bar Chaim Shlita. And he said that he grew up in Haifa um, after World War II. His parents were survivors. And at that time in Israel, there was a very strong tendency toward looking down on Holocaust survivors, unless they happened to be people who fought in ghetto uprisings or fought with the partisans. They were viewed as shameful, as having gone like sheep to the slaughter. And he said, I didn't understand because my father was a strong person. In fact, he said, my father, when he got out of the camps, did fight with the partisans for a bit. And my father's friends were Holocaust survivors, also strong people. He said, at one point when I was a teenager, I got up the courage to ask him. I said, why didn't you fight back? He answered, he said, because we had a Muna. I was puzzled. I said, what does that have to do with it? He said, you have to realize, I would have been delighted to lose my life killing a Nazi. Even just to hit a Nazi. My life was worthless. What kind of life was that? But me and my fellow inmates knew that this would be over at some point. We're an eternal people. And we have a future. And Hitler would never succeed in his final solution. That somehow, out of the ashes and smoke and flames of what was going on, Jews would walk out. He said, we decided that our goal should be to make sure that as many Jews walked out as they could. We knew that in places where there were uprisings, the Nazis killed everyone much more quickly. So we took upon ourselves a task that we called Ibelleben, to outlive them. And we suffered every shame, every degradation, and we didn't fight back. So that if instead of 200 Jews would walk out, 300 would walk out. Instead of 500, 1,000. The Amuna of the future gave us the strength now. Purim teaches us to be able to do that. The day after Purim, which is the day, the day after the miracles, so to speak, of Purim, after the turnaround of Purim, the days of Menucha, of being able to be at rest and in place and be able to get the sense of who we are and what we are, that's the day after. That's the day in which we are so happy. And we're able to be happy on Purim, or we're supposed to be able to be happy on Purim, no matter what's happening around us. It was designed, and Esther designed it, even though she was in a bad situation at the end of the Megillah. It was designed to be a Meimishta Vesimcha every year. And she wasn't foolish enough to think that every year was going to be perfect with no problems. But the light that we draw is one that comes from the future, but we know is influencing our present as well. I wish everyone a wonderful Purim Sameach, a Leibedike Freilichet Purim, and we should be able to enjoy living away from that cloud and being able to absorb the light of Purim and then being able to shine it on all of our days throughout the year. Have a wonderful Shabbos.